book four part two of susan by ernest old meadow this librivox recording is in the public domain la ville de la mer part two some time or other i am glad i did not burn this book it shall stand as my golden legend the fire is still lively in the grate and the two lamps are beaming softly i don't know whether it is friday night or saturday morning saturday morning i suppose but no going to bed till all is written down i stepped out of the villa about a quarter past seven and began crunching westward along the stones rage and hatred were in my heart i almost understood those men and women who make haste on such errands as mine grasping pistols or cold steel the wind was in my face but i bent into it and sped on i was not cold it made me glow to think how i would burst upon them cover them with shame fling them apart humiliate them a thousand times more than they should ever humiliate me but rage and hatred did not last under the lee of a great black boat drawn up on the shingle i paused to take breath it was warm and still in that little patch of shelter out of the nipping bluster of the wind while i was standing there looking over the faintly gleaming water a black mantle of cloud fell away from the moon the sea became a far spreading shimmer of silver the little cloud sailed as curly and white as feathers from a great sea-bird's breast across the soft blue heaven a single chime of the birigny church bell fell from the cliff a single silvery chime as if the moonlight had spoken at that holy call i was born again rage and hatred had been strong but i had not rage enough or hatred enough to go on standing up stubbornly against all that graciousness and beauty it melted my heart of stone and i knew it for an impossibility that god should be otherwise than beautiful and good for a moment ruddington and susan receded from my mind or rather i thought of them along with all the millions of happy lovers upon whom the same sweet moon was smiling and i blessed them unaware my mind came back to my errand and then i fought the battle along the beach i could see the trees which shade the path and above the swish of the small waves i could hear the beck humming loudly in its ravine i was sure that they were there under that green roof close to that music in this moonlight made for love the thought burnt me like hot irons and i could have cried aloud then the agony was over i had resolved to let them be to leave them alone with their happiness rage was tamed hatred was changed to a sad world-wide pity but as i turned wearily back to the clouded east i ached and tingled all over like a beaten child at the first crunch of my foot on the pebbles as i turned round some one sprang towards me from the foot of the cliff i cried out in terror he faced me in the moonlight we were only a step or two apart it was ruddington we looked full at one another without speaking and as i looked i knew that though he could not be mine in this world i must be his for ever and ever then the enormous whiteness of the cliff seemed to rock before my eyes and the humming of the beck swelled to thunder in my ears but he caught me before i fell susan he said softly in my ear his voice was warmer and brighter than gold as he repeated susan i lay helpless in his arms all strength had gone from me just as it had gone when i half swooned in the sea i could not struggle 
i could only let myself sink more wholly against his heart just as i had so willingly sunk down 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 through the cool green water to the deep strong peace of death but though death's caress had been sweet it was sweeter to rest against the warm heart of love i don't know how long that perfect happiness endured before a stab of anguish pierced me through it seemed an hour it may have been a minute perhaps it was less than half a second before full consciousness returned then a voice within me cried shame i remembered that although i had gazed at his face in the broad light of the moon he had only seen mine in the shadow bitterest of all it was not my name he had murmured in that voice brighter and warmer than gold he had hailed susan i was a cheat a changeling lying shameless in susan's place i knew it but for a moment longer i rested at peace in the soft nest of his arms with all the grey years of the future to be lived through in loveless loneliness i deliberately gave myself that one long moment as if he knew that the warmth and sweetness of it must last me all my life long he held me closer to his heart i wished then that i could have died life harsh life cried aloud i called up some sudden strength and tore myself free i am not susan i said he gave the slightest cry made the slightest retreat in the world then before i knew he enfolded me once more no he said proudly not susan suzanne ma petite suzanne but i frightened her she is trembling suzanne forgive me i must have been mad to leap out upon you like that but how could she walk along the beach to-night and not expect me to be here i heard him vaguely he was too strong for me my will my moral energy as well as my bodily strength refused to return at my command i could hardly open my eyes to look up at the mild moon so like the cool round sun which i had seen under the water say you forgive me suzanne he murmured you are angry with me for coming to france how could i wait suzanne when you had confessed that you love me i wrenched myself roughly free with a frenzied effort of will i rallied back all my allies of conventionality and of pride you have made a mistake i said curtly stepping away two or three paces i am not susan this time he started violently but he recovered himself in an instant and came towards me with outstretched hands i sprang back susan he said gravely don't jest for heaven's sake not now this is some quaint fancy you say you are not susan just as you said my infatuation was not love forgive me susan but this isn't a time for subtleties you love me and you know i love you more than life don't refine or jest now this moment of our first meeting is too great too sacred let us be clear and simple like the moon and the sea no i cried as he advanced how dare you touch me again it's all a mistake no doubt this is lord ruddington you are speaking to miss langley his arms dropped to his side and he fell back as if i had struck him in the face i steadied myself with one hand against the side of the boat it was a long time before he spoke miss langley 
he said at last in tones as cold and dull as lead what can i say then his voice quickened and brightened and he cried no susan you shall elude me no more stand back please i said icily and decisively there has been enough of this i understand you are to see susan to-morrow at eleven o'clock before i could move he leapt to my side miss langley he said rapidly but firmly miss langley if you are truly miss langley if this isn't some ill-timed joke hear me for one moment heaven knows i did not mean to insult you but this is a terrible thing i have laid on you one indignity but i beg you to endure another you have answered me from the shadow i ask you for heaven's sake i implore you to show me your face one moment in the light he had pressed so near that his shoulder touched mine i leaned against the boat counting the cost had i the strength to stand out sheer in the pitiless light and biting air to watch his face its lightning flash of passionate eagerness its following gloom of disenchantment and chagrin to listen to his stammering apologies to bestow pardons revise arrangements and last of all to stumble back over the stones alone i who had just known the support of his breast had i the strength what if i should break down as the light of love died out of his eyes and weep bitterly but there was no choice my heart bled as i schooled myself once more to the haughtiness of artificial pride and i said this is monstrous but as you please he made way for me with old-fashioned reverence as i stepped out into the moonshine with all that was left of my shattered will i strove to offer for his scrutiny a face hardened by haughtiness lips curling with disdain eyes alight with annoyance but how could i hate him while i loved him how could my eyes that were so hungry stab him and how could my lips scorn him when they were aching to tell him all the eager lightning flashed in his face but i waited in vain for the dull thunder of despair for the fall of the gloom no it was not lightning with my heart standing still i saw that the light abode in his eyes that it waxed fuller and more radiant as he gazed intently into mine but suddenly he quenched it one second more he commanded abruptly dryly almost harshly simply and literally without any paradoxes or ruses whatever are you susan i am not susan i said beginning to turn away simply and literally and truly you are indeed miss langley i am miss langley something chained me to the spot i saw him go pale as death and i heard him groan in anguish then may god help us all what do you mean i demanded we seemed to be so mysteriously one that the strength which deserted him passed into me are you not satisfied i added i must go in a flash he was master again he flung himself across my path no he cried you shall not go some meddling idiot has deceived me there has been a horrible and unspeakable mistake gertrude langley it was you i met in durlingham it was you i watched in traxelby church gertrude langley it is you i love with my whole soul it is you it is you it is you 
i shall not let you go his words sang all round me like birds my battle-worn and feeble spirit reeled under such bursts of music such flashes of glory i made one last agonizing effort to play the conventional part to rebuke and repel him to parade amazement shame and a dishonest show of anger but he was too strong he dominated me so that i could not even pause to marvel at the miracle or to ask myself if it could be true i could only totter towards him in dumb unconditional surrender and burst into a torrent of thankful tears this third time he held me not as he had held me before then he had strained me to him like a lover now he supported me gravely reverentially as any man would support any woman who has half fainted away but by swift degrees he guessed the truth he held me closer he bent his lips to my ear and he asked with a grave wonder in his voice of gold you do not mean this yes i whispered with my eyes closed i mean this for two or three seconds we were content to have it so then his clasp weakened i knew what he meant and i drew myself free we forgot susan i said yes he said slowly we forgot susan he stood beside me in silence looking at the sea then without warning he broke out with terrible words of anger not to me it was as though he arraigned the universe and shook his fist at the stars a thousand curses he cried a thousand curses on their heads who have brought us all to this it is not to be borne it is a tangle of fiends great god to be loved by the two best women on earth and then instead of happiness to find it end in misery all round it is the work of devils it is not to be borne he remembered me at his side and fought down his wrath at last he turned to me an ashen face and began there is much to say where will you sit down nowhere i answered no do not touch me again what there is to be said say we stood an arm's length apart on the stones and he spoke gertrude langley he said for five weeks i have loved you and there is no woman in the world save you that i ever did love or ever shall but through a string of ghastly blunders hardly to be explained or even believed i have loved you under another name and amid wildly false notions of your station be hurt at nothing i shall say i believed on twofold testimony that you were susan your maid do not be galled or insulted till you have heard me out you cannot insult me i said besides i know all no he cried you do not know you know that i have written susan letters that i have badgered her to marry me that i have followed her to st veronique and that i am to set eyes upon her to-morrow but listen i will tell you what you do not know you don't know that this poor girl has a heart of gold a soul of fire a mind that is a fountain of gems did you know that no i said i did not he mistook my ghost of a smile it stung him miss langley he said we have been wrong you and i and all who have been born like you and me to rank and wealth and leisure 
because the novels are nearly all written round such lives as ours we think that the poor and the servile are without romance without spirituality we are not quite sure that they have minds and hearts and souls of their own i say we have been wrong all susan's few letters to me save one have been shy and hurried but though i say it in the ears of the only woman i can ever love there isn't there can't be in all the world a nobler mind than this poor susan's a sweeter heart a purer soul i did not answer his calmness left him you don't see you won't see you can't see he cried why will you make me put it into words you are shutting your eyes to the tragedy of it all gertrude langley what would you have me do i was given some dim sense of the greatness of his soul almost mechanically i replied i would have you do only what is right god bless you for that he murmured and took my hand only what is right but tell me which is the right i love you and you love me when and where you saw me where and when and why and how your love for me began i cannot guess all that matters is you love me beautiful gertrude answer me you love me and i love you but which way lies the right you mean i said slowly disengaging my hand that there is susan yes he said gently there is susan which way lies the right for all i know i shall find susan ugly and she is a lady's maid but the point is i have forced her to love me with such a love as i did not expect to find in this world do not smile do not imagine i think myself handsome or in the least adorable but i have read her last letter fifty times and i know if i draw back if i tell susan of this cruel tangle it will break her heart no do not interrupt me in such a case i know how hard it is for you to believe that i am not mad dearest help me for god's sake it's hard enough god knows i ought to have thrust in words boldly refusing to be denied i ought to have told him everything but he silenced me with one gesture and finished yet after all he said what is there to discuss or to decide haven't you told me already to do the right and the right is to keep faith with susan oh i know i know he cried out bitterly it will wound your heart it will break mine but dearest we have so much we have books we have friends we have a hundred occupations but this poor susan what has she she has nothing except love if she has love i said and we have all else in the world beside then susan is rich and we are poor he turned away when he looked at me again he said it is simply a choice which of us must be robbed of happiness and burdened with lifelong sorrow and filled with bitterness you and i are two and susan is one they say minorities must suffer he smiled a sad smile and watched me narrowly and at the same moment a coldness numbed my heart while he had been extolling susan i had drunk in his words deliciously biding my time to laugh out merrily and prick the shining bubble but suddenly all things stood out in a different light i remembered my oath to susan at traxelby 
i remembered that she had given up gibson i recalled with anger that at this very moment she was prowling about to catch some secret glimpse of her lover yes he repeated minorities suffer it is the way of the world i renounce susan and what does it amount to a mere lady's maid sees me break faith and drop her in favour of wealth and beauty she loses her faith in god and man possibly she even has the bad taste to go and die meanwhile i having always had all i want go and get a great deal more natural isn't it he laughed a bitter laugh don't talk again like that i said as bitterly as he he was silent while i thought my thoughts i knew full well in the depths of my soul that to suffer anything to thrust itself between him and me would be a crime and a blasphemy yet i knew it might come to pass if i told him all about susan all about gibson all about the letters he would still have only my word for it that she did not love him in her own way he would seek susan to-morrow morning as appointed to hear susan's own words and under the glamour of his presence what might not susan say but light blazed through my brain i had found the key i must go back to the villa i must track susan at all costs i must tell her the whole story of ruddington's mistake probably she had already come back i turned to him and said why be ironical and bitter you have spoken truly you have to do what is right he seized both my hands to him it was the end gertrude he said for the first and last time my own gertrude so this is good-bye our first meeting is our last to-morrow after it is over i shall go straight away to-morrow is hers but to-night is ours beloved this is not the end there are more worlds than this one this world which someone has cursed for us forever i am all thine but the waiting will be so long beloved do not say that i may not bid thee good-bye i restrained him gently for my mind had clouded again with thronging fears no i said let us not make the future harder by any weakness in the present he bowed his head and obeyed when he looked up he said quietly one practical point before i go she will not i will not ever be at ruddington towers traxel be is your old home the towers shall be shut up my eyes filled with tears beloved i said softly good-bye i gave him my hand and he held it to his lips then i broke from him and fled home georgette received me with a volley of outcries about the spoiled dinner where is susan i asked she is not come back said georgette retreating towards the kitchen and then i saw that georgette was in the secret georgette i said peremptorily in french i insist that you tell me this instant where susan has gone her brow darkened she looked at me defiantly and tossed her head come i commanded with a rap on the table i insist this moment pardon madame retorted georgette with republican spirit i am the servant of madame du poirier and the friend of suzanne there was no time to argue i shifted my ground and coaxed if you are a friend of susan i said you will answer at once 
something very important has happened we must find her at once georgette hesitated suspiciously before she asked is it about the milor from england madame the milor with all the money yes 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 i said it is most important then he may take his money back again said georgette with a fine flourish suzanne she will only marry for love she has gone away gone away i echoed sinking down on a chair yes madame suzanne said if she didn't run away the milor would make her marry him georgette i cried springing up i give you my word that the milord shall not mention marriage to susan again if you are her friend tell me where to find her i swear that i am thinking only of her good georgette was silent the truth rushed in upon me i said she has run away with gibson yes madame said georgette tranquilly with monsieur gibson georgette i cried help me to find them and i'll give you fifty francs no don't pout if i can stop them susan and gibson will be grateful to you as long as they live on my word of honour at last georgette said suzanne went out too soon for fear that madame would stop her she attends monsieur gibson at the bottom of the beck at half-past eight i snatched a roll from the table and rushed out again to the beach the birigny clock struck eight there would be six or seven minutes to spare End of Book 4, Part 2